Here we go. Good evening. Tonight we're learning Masechah's Git Nun Hey. We're starting four lines from the top at a new Mishnah. The Mishnah begins, Heid Reb Yochanan ben Gudgida. Al, on the following cases, he gave testimony on all of the following. Al HaCharashes Shehisiya Avia Shehiyotza Abiges, Beget, excuse me, that HaCharashes, who really she has no das, so if she gets married, her father is still able to marry her off. And if, in fact, he did, then if and when there is a divorce, she's Yotza Beget, even though the marriage itself is the Chorah, uh, only Midrabana, seemingly. The next case, and the next thing that Rav Yochanan ben Gudgida was made was that Baal Katana Bas Yisrael Shinise Slikoin Show Cheles Petruma. That a katana, if she marries a, a Kohen, she is able to eat Truma. Vimesa Baala Yorsha. And if this uh, Katana, Yisrael, who marries a Kohen, dies, then her husband is Yoresha. And the third case, that if a person steals a beam and they put it into their house, it's built in, it's cemented in, in such a case, we uh, only uh, obligate the thief to pay back the cost of the beam because of Takana Sashavim. We, we don't want to make it impossible for a person to do tshuva. So let's say I go over to a construction site. I steal a $50,000 steel beam. I put it on my construction site, and then I build my house around it. So Takana Sashavim would say, there's no way that I'm going to undo my hundreds of thousands of dollars of house to give you back your beam. I won't be able to do tshuva. So the Chachamim said, fine, just give the financial equivalent, and dayenum, that's enough. And lastly, in our Mishnah, and most complicated, if a person were to steal a chatas, and it wasn't known to the people that it was stolen, that in fact there still is kapara for the bailim who brought it, says the Gemara, a little bit of an odd language, what's tikkun hamizbeach? So for that, we'll have to take a look in the Gemara. 10, 12 lines down, and hey, I'm at Aleph at the opening of the Gemara. Amar Rava, may I do so, Sir of Yochanan ben Gudgada, Amar Le'edim, according to what we've learned, we should say the following. Ro'u get ze, she'ani no la. A man says to Edim, see, this is the get, and I plan to give it to my wife. And he holds up a get, a proper get, written beautifully, perfectly, 12 lines, the whole thing, done perfectly. And then v'chazer v'amar la. But when he gets to the woman to actually deliver the get, he does hand her the get. But when he does, he throws a little curveball. V'amar la, kansi shtarchov take this shtarchov from me. So it was a little dishonest because he was actually giving her a get. But verbally, he said, here's your star chov. So yes, it's a get. And he handed her a get. And that's what the Chumash says. But the curveball was that he called it a different star. So the din is, says Rava, based on the edus of Rav Yochanan ben Gudgada, Hareza Megureshes, the halacha is that they should then be divorced. After all, says the Gemara, Milo Amar Rav Yochanan ben Gudgada, Loba Inan Daita. The fact that a Chareshes in our Mishnah is able to get divorced, she has no das. So if she has no das, then nobody needs das to get divorced. So therefore, the Gemara says it must be that in this case too, that even if a man gives a woman a get and says that it's a Shtar Chov, so we would assume that they are still divorced. So says the Gemara, maybe in our case too. And the Gemara says, this, this whole thing is ridiculous. Pshita, I don't, of course they're divorced. Of course they're divorced. There's nothing to talk about. We don't need her permission to get divorced. She can be divorced. Balkorcha. So says the Gemara, no. that Once he said, when he referred to his get as a shtarcho, that maybe we would have thought that betule batle, 
that his intention by calling it a star chov is to say that I wish that this get will not take effect. If I wanted it to be a get, I would have called it a get. But maybe when I referred to it as a star chov, when I handed it to my wife, maybe it's betule badle, kamash malan, that that's not the case, that in isa de badle, that if he really did want to be mavatel the get, what would he have done? Le'edim hava amar lehu. He would have said to the Edom, I don't want to get divorced. A second earlier, he said to the Edom, hey, everybody take a look. Here's my get. Second later, he says to the woman, So we see that if he really wanted to get divorced, he would have said to the Edom, The reason he said it the way that he did, he said he called his get as a uh, as a Shtarchov is Mishum Kisufa, because he was embarrassed. It's uncomfortable, I'm sure. And under those circumstances, um, even under those circumstances, they are divorced. So that's din number one, is that we learn a chiddush from the Gemara uh, based on Rabbi Yochanan ben Gudgada in our Mishnah, that if a man were to say, that when he hands a get to his wife, he refers to it as a shtarchov, she's still divorced, and we don't assume that his change in language was to be mavatal the get, but rather he was just uncomfortable saying the truth, which is, here is your get. And we had said in our Mishnah, we had said about our Mishnah that if a Ketana Bas Yisrael marries a Kohen, that she, even as a Ketana, is allowed to eat the Truma of the Kohen. And the Gemara makes a diuk over here that says, that when Rav Yochanan ben Gudgada referred to the Chareshes in the first case, all he said is that she's Yotza Beget, but he did not say that she could eat Truma. So the Gemara infers that a Chareshes is not allowed to eat Truma. Because if she was allowed to eat Truma, then just like the second case in our Mishnah by the Ketana, where it was mentioned, we should have assumed the same by the Chareshes. So my taima, what must be the reasoning of Rav Yochanan ben Gudgada to restrict the Chareshes from eating Truma? Says the Gemara, We're afraid of confusing a case of where a Chareshes is married to a Kohen with the case of a Chareshes who's married to a Cheresh, a Cheresh who's a Kohen, and that is not allowed. Says the Gemara, big deal. Let them eat. When we see our children who are very just on Shabbos this past Shabbos, some, well, some four-year-old boy came over. I was at someone's house and they said, Tati, not me, another father of the house, Tati, are we allowed to put this together? There's like toy screws and toy screwdrivers. They're real Shilas and post on If you tighten a real screw, it's a real screw. The fact that it's a toy doesn't mean it's not a screw. It does screw the two things together. So that so Katanocha just go play. <laughs> they're four years old. They don't know what they're doing. We can't tell them to go do it. We're not machil trefos be a dime to a katan. But here, if you look at the language here, it's katan ochel he's doing it on his own. So the charesh has too big deal. Let her eat it. Who cares? Even if the cheresh eats, no big deal. Says the Gemara, Gzeira Shema, Yachil Cheresh Pikachas. Perhaps we'll have a scenario where a cheresh is a Kohen and he's going to feed a Pikachas that he marries a regular healthy woman and that's not allowed. And we're concerned that, okay, maybe you have a svar to say that they could be a Katan Ochel Nevelos. No big deal if they eat. Maybe that's true. But what if the cheresh ends up marrying a Pikachas? That's very problematic. Says the Gemara, fine. But perhaps maybe we shouldn't allow them to eat Truma Doraisa, but maybe we should allow them to eat Truma Doraisa. This Haresh in our Mishnah says the Gemara, no, we're categorical about it. The inference about our about the Haresh in our Mishnah is correct. She's never allowed to eat any uh, Truma because Gzeira Shema Asila Achulei the Truma de Oraisa, because of all of these rabbinic concerns, we never allow a Haresh to eat Truma.
Akhtana has das to his, she will have das when she's older, even though halachically she doesn't, she may well have her wits to her. I'm sure we all know people who are under bar mitzvah who act like they're above bar mitzvah. And I'm sure we know people who are above bar mitzvah who act like they're toddlers. So for sure, that's the case. So we for sure know that over here, that the katan is trustworthy, but the chareshes, we could never have a scenario where it's allowed. And therefore we, res we restrict it outright. And then the Mishnah, the third case of our Mishnah, where two-thirds of the way down, had said, that if somebody does steal a beam, but they build it into the frame of their house, our Mishnah had said that because we want to make sure that people have a reasonable opportunity to do tshuva, we therefore said that you only have to pay the financial equivalent of the beam, in the example I gave, the $50,000 in cash, instead of dismantling your whole house. So it says the Gemara, that not everybody agrees with this. Tanu Rabban and the Brayser writes, if a person steals a beam and he builds it into his house, you have to dismantle the entire house. What are you doing? You're not allowed to take somebody else's stuff. <laughs> you're, you're just a Ghanib. You have to return what you stole. That all you have to pay back is the demay, the financial equivalent of that which you stole, that which you built into the house. Why? This is a classical difference in the approach of Beishamai and Beishillel. That Beishamai was like a sledgehammer in regards to Psak. He doesn't care, it isn't about your feelings. If you want chuba, you keep halacha. That's your fault. You shouldn't have stolen in the first place. And there's Yeshbazad Dabarma. And Basil agrees he shouldn't have stolen, but he knows the human psychology. And the human psychology is, I'm really sorry. You want me to dismantle my $300,000, $400,000 house for a 50? I'm not doing it. I'm just, I can't do it. I'm, I'll pay you. I just can't, I can't dismantle. Let's talk about the case of the Chatas Gzula. Amar Ula, Davar Torah, here is the din according to the Torah. Benoda uvein lo noda, Whether or not the theft was known, it doesn't matter. This chatas really should not be mechaper. My taima, why not? And this is one side of a massive machlokes in the Tanaim. That is because, uh, I should say the Amoraim, Yeush kedi lokani. Yeush kedi, Yeush by itself. Yeush in a vacuum is not enough to allow the Gazlan to have a proper Kenyan. Why? Because when it's just Yeush, and it's not Yeush with Shinui Rishus, that would be the other, the other factor. When it's just Yeush, then the Bailim still hope for the likelihood, uh, the possibility of getting their item back. Yet we know in our Mishnah that that's not the case. In our Mishnah, it says in regards to that uh, fourth case, that that we do say that the that the Korban is Mechaperes. So, why then was our Mishnah exceedingly mekil? to override a din de oraisa, that really, that because we know that it's the case, that yeyush kedi lokani, and really it's ena mecha peres, because the bailim still have hope that their item will come back to them. So why did our Mishnah say that there's still some degree of kapara? We said that, shelo yihu kohanim atzevim, so that the, the kohanim won't be sad about the fact that they partook of a korban that they really ideally shouldn't have. This is such a, an odd gemara and requires a lot of time, which we don't have. But Amri Le Rabbanalula, I don't understand. You're saying that it's because the reason our Mishnah says that lo noda is that a case of lo noda is mechaperes is because Kohanim atzevim. But vehaanon bipnei tikun hamizbech tnan. Our Mishnah doesn't speak about the Kohanim. Our Mishnah says that the reason why a case of lo noda that if it was stolen and 
and it wasn't publicly known, the reason why we say there's still kapara for the Bailem is because of the Mizbeach, not because of the Kohanim. So the Gemara says, you're right, but there's more than one domino in this, in this uh, scenario. Omar lahem, kevan to Kohanim asevim, nimsa Mizbeach batal. And therefore, we said that chatas gzula shalono rabim is mechaperes. All of that is approach number one, which at its core focuses on the fact that yeyush kedilo kani, that yeyush on its own is not considered to be a kinyan because we need yeyush plus shinui rishos. However, approach number two is quite opposite. Two, three lines from the bottom on Nunheim at Aleph. Rav Yehuda Amar, Dabar Torah, really according to the Torah, benoda uvein, Really, it doesn't matter what happened. Really, this Kenyan the Gzula works. That if you steal something, the Korban is perfectly fine, Midel Raisa. Why? My time up. Because unlike the approach that Ula took, Yeush Kedi is cunning. He says that Yeush in a vacuum, even without Shinui Rishus, is 100%. This guy who had his property stolen from him is never hoping for, he's done thinking about, he's written it off and his taxes, he's done. This is gone now. He's done. So he's not worried anymore. So this is the machlokest uh, Amorayim. Let's articulate it again. That according to the first approach of Ula, Yeush Kedi Lokani, Yeush on its own, is not considered a sufficient type of Yeush to assume that ownership has transferred to the Ganev or to the Gazlan. But according to the second approach of Rev Yehuda, Rev Yehuda the Amora, he says that Yeush Kedi is Kani turning to the top of Nunheim and Bays, and we'll be going to uh, a, a few lines into the wide lines toward the bottom of the page, not quite to the end. And then tomorrow is Kamsa Ubar Kamsa, some famous, very well-known Gemaras. Mm -hmm. So the Gemara says on the top of Nunheim and Bays, according to Yehuda, why would it be that he would hold that there's no Kapara? So the Gemara responds, totally different issue. He says that, uh, the reason why we have a case scenario of noda'a in a mechuparas, uh, that if we know that there was a theft, that there is no kapara, why is that? Because we don't want people to say about the mizbeach that it's willing to consume gzelos. It's willing to consume food that's been stolen. So says the Gemara, I, I, I don't understand. Bishlama Ula, I understand Ula's perspective. Hainu dekatani chatas. According to Ula, the concern that he said that we have is one of Nimtza Mizbeach Batel. So therefore, the Chatas makes a lot of sense. However, says the Gemara Elad Rav Yehuda, according to Rav Yehuda, Ma'ir Yechatas, Afilu Ola Nami. According to Rav Yehuda, whose broad concern is that we don't want people to think that the Mizbeach is Ochel, is ochel Gzelos, why does our Mishnah speak about a chatas? Any animal that's brought on the Mizbeach, that's gazul, should be problematic according to the Svar of Rabbi Yehuda. And that's not the case because he gives an answer that says ochlik zelos, which implies everything. But our Mishnah only speaks about a case of chatas, zakash and Rabbi Yehuda. And the Gemara responds four lines down on Nunheim, lomi boya ka'amar. It's telling you multiple things. Lomi boya, I don't need you to tell me Ole de he of course, an, an Ole is going to be problematic because the Ole is actually, it's Ne'echal by the Mizbech. The whole thing is consumed. But perhaps I would have thought about thought about Achatas differently because Achatas is not fully consumed by the Mizbech. After all, in regards to Achatas, we put the fats, we put the blood on the Mizbech, but the Idach, the rest, all the flesh that's actually edible, 
that Kohanim Achlile, so here too, Rabbi Huda says, So what he says is we're learning two things from our Mishnah. The obvious and unstated is an, a, the case of an Ola, which is fully consumed by the Mizbech. Pashat, he's concerned about that. His Chiddush is that we're even concerned about a, uh, a case of Achatas, which is at least greatly, mostly consumed by the Kohanim. Another question, the Gemara says, 10 lines down, Tanan, we have a Mishnah, our Mishnah. We had said that if there was a Chatas that was stolen and nobody knew about it, there's still Kapara because of the Mizbech. Who says that really Medina, it should not have a Kapara, but we say that the Chachamim instituted a Kapara, that makes perfect sense. According to Rabbi Huda, Ladina, it really should work, but we were mocked that it should not work. So the language of our Mishnah is backwards according to Rabbi Huda's approach. So says the Gemara, you're right, quarter of the way down, Hachanami Kama. It's saying a couple of things. First of all, lo no da'a mechaperes. If we didn't know, if the public didn't know about this, the Kohanim didn't know, then mechaperes. But no da'a, if it was known, then ena mechaperes. Why is that? Why is it that we say lo no da mechaperes mivnei tikun hamizbeach? And Rabbi Yehuda gets out of that question as well. Let's try again, a little bit more lamdish this time. Masiv Rava. We know that if a person is uh, violates gneva and he's caught, he's chayev to pay kefel. And if he's shochet that animal, he's chayv dalid behe. He has to pay either four or five times the cost of the animal that he stole. And four or five is dependent on the size of the animal. A sheep, a goat, those are four X. A cow is five X. So that's what uh, kefel is and dalid behe. So let's talk about this particular case and let's follow the flow carefully. Ganav, I steal an animal and then the hikdish and then I sanctified it to the besamikdash and then be'achar kach tavachumacha. So the Gneva, I did on my own terms. But I did the Shechita after I was Makdash the animal. So it says the Gemara, Mishalim Tashlume Kefel, Ve'enu Mishalim Tashlume Arba Vechamisha. I'm obligated to pay the Kefel because that was before Hektish, before I was Makdash the thing. But I don't have to pay Arba Vechamisha, four times the sheep's cost or five times the cow's cost, because that Shechita that I did granted was wrong, but it really wasn't mine. So I didn't do it while it was in my property. The Tani Allah, Bachutz, that we that if a person were to shecht this animal in the wrong place, we learned ki haigavna anushkares, that there would in fact be an Isr Kares if this animal was shechted in the wrong place. So now comes the Gemara's beautiful question. The e amris Yeush Kedi Lokani, if in fact you're going to say that Yeush Kedi, Yeush by itself, is not Kone. Well, if Yeush by itself is not Kona, that means in this case of Ganav if I was Ganav, and we say that Yeush Kedi is not Kona, then really the Kenyan isn't a full Kenyan. And if that's true, Kares, my Avidite. This Brisa seems to say that Gneva alone brings about a scenario that could lead to Kares, minus all the Kefal Dalit Behistar. Just remember the one piece that that Korban, if it's shechted in the wrong place after you stole it, how could you be chayiv kares if we hold yeush kedi lo kani? If you hold that yeush alone is not considered to be uh, a real yeush, then the gneva was usher, but it's not a full kenyan. Elamai must be that yeush kedi is kona. So it says the Gemara, Amar of Shezvi, Rav Shezvi says a huge whopper of a chiddush. Don't worry, kares midivrehem, kares, but only on a derabanan level. 
And uh, not only do we not understand that, the people in the... What? They all laughed at him when he said that. They're like, what are you talking about? Kares is a massive consequence. I mean, that's like, you're done. You're out. Like, Chametz on Pesach, Brismila, the Paschal Lamb. Like, you're done. You're not Klai Yisrael anymore. You're done. There's a Dinder of Kares. Like, it doesn't even... We understand by Malkos. Like, you have a Malkos proper, Malkos Mardus. We have we have a profile for that. It's not permanent. It's it's rabbinic in nature, but kares is this kind of uh, end of the road type of punishment. You're not even a bar for kares until you're 20. We know the underdeveloped brain of teenagers. There's no chance that they're sophisticated enough to not violate Yisuri. We assume they're going to do that. It's normal. So the Gemara says, Omar luhu rava, be careful. Gavra rava Omar milsa lo tachuchu ala. When great people say things, be careful not to laugh at them. That in this case, we have a case of real kares that came about through the rabbi's words. The Chachamim established that that which he stole is fully in his property. So that in fact, there's a real iser de oraisa of kares on ukmuha rabbanan birshuse. How does that work? That's incredible. That means that because the Chachamim said that this is in your Rishus now, you now have a din kares midoraisa. And really, there is no kares midivrehem. That's not even what Rav Shezvi meant. Rav Shezvi meant to say that when the Chachamim put it in your Rishus, now you have a real chiyuv kares. Afal pi, that yeyush kedi is lo kani. It, it's still not a full Kenyan, but the Chachamim made it that it's yours. And that's what the Mishnah is saying, the Bryce is saying, Gun of Hiktish, that you're going to be Chayv Kares. Oh, my Rava, Rava changes uh, gears just a drop, but in the same sugya. Mm-hmm. But the following thing I really do have a Kasha on, says Rava. When it was that the rabbis assumed that even if we hold Yeush Kedi Lokani, that even if the Kenyan that was created, the Yeush that, that existed by the owner after the Ghan of Soul, even if it was incomplete, but when the Chachamim put it in your Rishus, is it Mishas Gneva or Mishas Hektesha? Is it from the moment he stole at 9.45 p.m.? Or is it from the time that he was Makdashit at 9.45 a.m. the next day? What would be the difference? Legizo Seha Vivlado Seha. This, these are phrases we should remember from somewhere in Shas, because I remember them vaguely. Anyone know where? I don't remember where. But we learned about Gizo Sevavlodos a number of times. Fine. The Gemara says the Nafkamina would be timing, because if it was his from 9.45 p.m., he gets 12 hours of growth of hair, whatever that is, and the children that are born in that time are his. But if we say that it's Mishas Hekdesha, so then no. Then if it only becomes him, if the his, if the Chachamim only created this reality that it's actually in his Rishus from the time of Hektish, then he gets nothing. So my, what's the din? Hadar Omar Rava. Rava gave an answer of his own. Mistabra, what sounds logical to me is Mishas Hekdesha. Shelo Yehichote Niskar. When the Chachamim were extending the rule to say that this is actually in your Rishus, Afal Pi, that it's really not in your Rishus, but the Chachamim are putting it in your Rishus because Yehush Kedil Okani, when did the Chachamim institute that it would be a part of your Rishus? Mishas Gneva, the earlier time, or Mishas Hekdesha. The Gemara says it's from Hekdesha. Shelo Yehei Chote Niskar. 
we don't want this guy to benefit any more than he's benefiting already. And therefore, we're not going to say, we're going to put it in his rishus. We are, in order to bring him to the place of kares. But we are uh, going to say that it's only from the moment of hektish and not from the moment of Geneva. We're going to begin this sugya. We won't really have time to do justice because there's a lot of agaditas that give color to the to this new Mishnah. But this new Mishnah is a little bit more than halfway down in Hamid Bez. Let's begin. A Sikrikon was basically a mafioso type of thing where they would say, give me your property or I'm going to kill you. So usually in those cases, you hand over the keys. So the Gemara says that in the time of Haruge Milchama, there was no Sikrikon. After the killings of battle and onwards, namely post-war, then we do have rules of Sikrikon. We have no idea what this is talking about. And therefore the Mishnah says, Ketzat. The Gemara says, what are the scenarios that we are talking about here when we have halachos of Sikrikon? The Gemara says, Lokach mi Sikrikon. If I purchased a property from these mafia guys, and then the Chazar Velokach mi Balabais, and afterwards I went over to the original owner that the Sikrikon stole from, and I bought it from him, Mekho Batel. The reason the Mekach is Batel is because the Balabais never wanted to sell it to the Sikrikon in the first place. He just didn't have a choice. And Ornish Rahman Patre, he didn't want to make the sale in the first place, so we let it go. Now, if I first purchased it from Balabais, and then if I purchased it from Shmuel on day one, the Sikrikon showed up on day two, and then I went to the Sikrikon on day three and bought it off of them, then Mekrokayim, because I know the original buyer was willing to sell, because I bought it from him before it was Sikrikon, before the mafia came in. If I buy it from a man, and then afterwards I buy it from a wife, well, maybe why? Because really, maybe the property was hers initially. And the only reason that she gave it to him was because she felt compelled to do so as a wife. She didn't really want to. So that's not a good mekach. But if first I were to purchase the property from the woman, then And all of this, says the Mishnah, Zu Mishnah Rishona. This was the first iteration of this din. Very unique Mishnah, which paints two layers of history in one shot. That when one does, in fact, purchase from Sikrikon, from these mafioso people, you're allowed to do so. And no sin the Bailam Revia. And you have to pay a quarter of the cost of the property to the Bailam. And then you're, you're good to go. Amosai. When do we have this din, this second uh, version of the din, that I'm allowed to purchase from Sikrikon and pay the Bailam only a quarter of the cost of the property? That's Bizman She'ein Biyodon Likach. That's only true when the initial buyers are not able to make the purchase from the Sikrikon. Aval Yesh Biyodon Likach, if the initial buyers who initially owned the property before the Sikrikon, the mafioso guys, took it from him, if he's able to go back and buy it, so then Hain Kidum and Lechol Adam. They have the uh, first right of refusal as it relates to the properties because it was initially theirs and the mafia guy stole it from them. Rebbe Hoshiv Beistin of Animno, Rebbe sat with his Bezdin and they made the following rule. That if there were 12 months of opportunity for the original owner for first rights of refusal to his property that used to be his, that's now in the hands of the Sigrikon of 12 months have passed, then he loses his first rights of refusal. And then whoever goes over to the Sigrikon and pays is able to win. Aval still, no saying the Bailim Revia, we still are going to pay a quarter of the original cost of the property to the original owners. So says the Gemara, I don't understand the Mishnah. The laws of Sigrikon, what did we learn in our Mishnah? Hashta beharuge ha 
When things were very dangerous, uh, we didn't apply the rules of Sikrikon, and only afterwards we did. So the Gemara says two lines before the wide lines. Uh, we were not dealing with the Din Sikrikon. A little bit of a cryptic answer. So let's take a look at Rashi. Rashi says about 20 lines from the bottom of the page at the beginning of the Gemara. This was actually a full purchase. During the Haruge Milchama times, when I sold my land to the mafia people, it was a, a perfect purchase. I had no desire to get it back. I just wanted to save my life. And that's therefore going to be a good purchase. In a little bit of less painful times, then our, our Mishnah is saying that during the times of the Sikrikon, things were so dangerous that when I sold, when I was forced to give my property to the, to the Sikrikon, it was Belev Shalim, take my property, save my life. The rules of our Mishnah only apply me Haruge Milchama Ve'elach because that was a little bit of a less unpeaceful time. And in fact, the Gemara says as follows, Do'ama Rev'asi Shalosh Gzeros Gazru. Ravasi says that there were three layers of xeros that were put into place. We'll see soon that this was the beginning of the end of the times of the Beis HaMikdash. Ravasi shows xeros gazru, gizarta kamaisa, we're at the first of the very long lines under Hamad Beis, almost done for the day. The first xero was kol anyone who doesn't kill a yid who has an opportunity to do so, lik That guy, the guy who didn't kill is going to be killed. If there's a Jew walking down the street and you have a shiv, you have a knife, you have whatever, you got to kill. And if you don't do it, the first zero was that the people who didn't kill must be killed. And then when things were slightly less calm, Mitsyasa, the second, the middle of the three zeros that was put into place, was called the Kotil Lysi Arbazuze. Anyone who killed would have to bring four zoos or possibly get four zoos, depending on what the Rishonim say over here. That's different. Then, right, the first version was if you don't kill someone, you're killed. The second is either you have to pay for Zeus for not having killed or you get paid for Zeus, which are one of the two. And then the last one, Basraisa, the final of all of the Xeros that went into place was called the Kotiliktaluha. That's when things were much more peaceful. Um, so that if you kill a Jew, you get punished for it, right? That's that's a healthier set of rules, I believe. So Hilkach says the Gemara as follows Kamaya in the first two time frames. The first time frame being that if you don't kill a Jew, you're killed. And in the middle time frame, when I'm going to pay you if you kill, cave under Katle, since murder was happening, Agav Onse Gomaru Makne. We assume that all of the sales, all of the acquisitions of the um, Sikrikon that took place during this time, when the mafia guys would walk over to the Jews during one of the Tkufas of either the first or second Takana, that's Gomaru Makne. Believe Shalem, take my field. It's yours, and I never want it back. But Basraisa, when things were calmer, in the times of the final Xera, when if somebody killed a Jew, they were killed, regular rules of society, then Amre Ha'idna Lishko. Now this is the right time to apply the rules of our Mishnah, Lemachar Tavana, take it today, and tomorrow I'll claim you in Bezdin, Tavana Lebedina. And tomorrow we'll begin to speak about Kamsa and Bar Kamsa and some very well-known stories. As you can see, it's a lengthy Amud on both sides, pretty, really pretty fat Gemara over the next next uh, couple of days um uh, and wow okay over the next three or four days 
and hopefully it's uh, less difficult than all the Eved stuff that we've been working on. Uh, and we'll stop right here and wishing you all a beautiful night.